We have with us now Washington Times. She's like the head honcho over at the Washington Times and an amazing columnist. Cheryl K. Chumley. Welcome, Cheryl. How are you? James Golden with you here. It is great to be with you, James. Good morning to you. Yeah, again, we've talked before, and I'm glad to have you back. And I think we have to make this regular, Cheryl, because you write so, and you do your own podcast, by the way. And you yeah. talk about things that most people won't talk about, which <laughs> <laughs> the, underpin, the underpinnings of the culture. You know, Cheryl, this week I, I did a segment. And, um, hey, guys, and can you see whether we have that Pat Buchanan uh, excerpt available? And let me know if we do. Yeah, because we played an excerpt from Pat Buchanan from 1992. And I have to tell you, I, it was, of course, the culture war speech. Mm-hmm. And at the time of the culture war speech, I felt really, Diane and me, Princess Apostle, remembered that I was uneasy about it. And this time when I listened back to the whole speech, I was still uneasy about certain things, but I realized how much my views had changed on other things. But one of the things that Pat Buchanan said was that, well, let's listen to it. Okay, we'll listen to it, and then I'll I'll ask you the question from there, Cheryl. Go ahead and play. Friends, this election is about more than who gets what. It is about who we are. It is about what we believe what we stand for as Americans. There is a religious war going on in this country. It is a cultural war as critical to the kind of nation we shall be as the Cold War itself. For this war is for the soul of America. And in that struggle for the soul of America, Clinton and Clinton are on the other side, and George Bush is on our side. That speech was largely condemned by, of course, the left-wing media. But, Cheryl, in my view, it also began a separation in the Republican Party. That is when, in earnest, you heard some people saying, oh, yes, well, I'm fiscally conservative, but but, but socially, no. I'm, I'm, I'm more liberal socially. And then you started hearing, well, no, 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 we can't, we can't. We can't align ourselves with this idea of a culture where we have to moderate, moderate our tone. And we heard from the Republican establishment that delving into cultural issues too much is a losing formula for elections. And that became, the, to me, the growth of the rhinos. I don't know whether you agree with that assessment or not, but I think Pat Buchanan was onto something when he said there is a religious war. He linked it to the culture war. What do you say about that? Well, uh, I agree, and I, I agree with your assessment first. I, I agree with Pat um, what he said about the religious war, though I have some difference of, of opinion between Clinton versus Bush. I, I don't think it's a political. I, I think he first claimed it was a religious war, and then he put it right back into the political realm. Look, if you're a human being in in you're alive on earth, your 
battle is against principalities. So anything you do in life is a religious war, right? At least that's how Christians believe. It's always the battle of principalities. And then if you look at the founding of this nation, it was based largely on the fight for religious freedom. So that underscores that this entire nation was pitted against a battle of principalities, right? And so if you go back to the founding of the nation and you look at what's happening today, with the turn towards secularism, of course it's going to lead to a political realm that's corrupt, and it's going to lead to a culture that is degrading daily, which we've seen just in the last week, all this talk about Disney. But this is, this is to me, it's common sense. It, it's always a battle of religious entities, always a battle against principalities. Now, you just mentioned Disney. I have been saying that one of the things that concerns me most, and it's not just with Disney, it's with some of the things happening in our nation's schools, is that what we have is sense, this, this idea that children should be sexualized while they're still in kindergarten, while they're five, six, seven years old. They're not even allowed to enjoy their childhood without being sexualized, their prepubescent years without being sexualized before they even have their hormonal instincts of sexualization, they're already being sexualized by the left. And I, one of the things that I've said is that part of this is because the left has taken all religious and spiritual connection to sex off the table. I don't care what religion you are. You could be Christian. You could be Jewish. You could be Islamic. You could be Yain. You could be a Sikh. You could be Buddhist. You could be Taoist. You could be any of the major religions in the world. You could, all of them, have a moral component that deals with also human sexuality. What, does, what has the left done? They've made it about hedonism. This is just a physical act. It doesn't have a spiritual or a moral component to it. And that is part of why I think the left is so comfortable in sexualizing kids at such a young age. They don't see anything wrong with it. They don't. They want to take morals out of the equation. They want to be free to do whatever they want to be. When I was growing up, there was that, uh, there was that free to be me type. There was a song out there, free to be me. We used to sing it in, in, in school class, <laughs> for crying out loud, in the public school system. And it was all based on removing any kind of boundaries uh, that guided your moral compass in life. And it's twofold why the left is doing this. Not only does it free the left to then act as, it, as they want in life, as you pointed out, hedonistically, but uh, without condemnation, without judgment, but it also trains the next generation that they can do the same. And so what you have then is coming up a generation of youth who are being taught that they can do whatever they want. And if anybody points out their behavior as wrong, then they're the ones that can point fingers and, and cry, well, you're not being tolerant. And so this results in a crumbling of society because it tears apart the basic family roots. And if you look at where family comes from, again, this goes back to the battle of principalities. 
God is the one who who has ordained families. God is the one who has made male and female and charged male and female to have children and so forth. So it, it all goes back to a tearing down of the social and, and spiritual constructs of American society, which in turn gives the left total control over how society will, will then be run in the future. This is the war that we are in. You're listening to Cheryl Kate Chumley with me, Washington Times. I urge you to visit her podcast. See, she has a, a few podcasts you can find her if you go to WashingtonTimes.com. And she also has several columns. Cheryl, before time is up, I want you to just uh, talk for a few minutes about the column, one of your latest columns. You talked about the lawsuit that Donald Trump has filed against the Democrat, the DNC, and Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this lawsuit because he, he's named like 47 people in it talking about um, going for $24 million in punitive damages for the lies told about him with Russia collusion. And, you know, the left has come out screaming that this is this is a lawsuit that's going nowhere. But the fact is, Donald Trump supporters just love the fact that Donald Trump takes a stand and makes a fight. And that's all he has to do. He doesn't even have to win this lawsuit. Uh, he just has to make the fight, and I think his fan base is going to come out in full support of him. And if he does run in 2024, I think this is only going to help him because it furthers that whole image that Donald Trump has of fighting the deep state, fighting the elitists, fighting the globalists, and so forth. I would suggest to you that right now the Republican Party has three, maybe four fighters. And this is uncommon for the Republican Party. We have Donald Trump. We have Ron DeSantis. We have Doug Youngkin. And boy, is he upsetting the liberals. And we have Kristi Noem. And there are, now those are the most visible. There are others, of course. Members of the Freedom Caucus have been fighting for days. But these are the ones that are attracting the most media attention. It looks like we're getting some for a change the Republican Party is starting to develop a bench of fighters. What do you think? I, I would add Rand Paul to that because oh, absolutely. He, was, he was fabulous for the last couple of years fighting Anthony Fauci, who I thought was one of the biggest tools of the far left, the globalist far left. Uh, so, and, and Ted Cruz is still out there fighting. Jim Jordan is another one. But, uh, you know, it, it's good to see Republicans stand up and fight. But by and large, the Republican Party, to me, seems cowed to Democrats. And they have been for so many years, which is another reason why Donald Trump was able to rise to the top, because conservatives in America needed somebody on Capitol Hill fighting for them, the common sense fight. And that's what Donald Trump represented. What a treat, Cheryl. We're going to have you back. We're going to have you back often if you agree to it. You are of, of information. We appreciate your analysis and your columns. Again, tell people where they can find you. At WashingtonTimes.com or at CherylChumley.com. And thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat with you again.